Okay. Uh, the scripture reading is from John chapter 14, verse 1 to 6. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. So, um, if you guys were her, uh, here earlier in the service, uh, Pastor Eric was here earlier today, but he's going to be preaching at a different church this morning as part of a pulpit swap that we're having um, uh, during this series. Um, so, Eric is preaching at Emmanuel English Church today, and I'm happy uh, today to uh, introduce Pastor Kevin Murphy, who is joining us today from Watermark Church, and he'll be preaching uh, this morning. Um, Kevin Murphy is a good friend of Pastor Eric's. Uh, they used to work together. And so I'm just going to hand it uh, over to him right now. Great. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Can you hear me all right? Great. Well, uh, it is really wonderful to be with you this morning. And thank you, Les, and the other elders and leaders and Eric for having me uh, and welcoming me to the Bridge Church. Um, it's really great to be with you this morning. Um, we've obviously followed your journey as God has led you with Eric. We used to work at Watermark and uh, came over to you guys. We pray for you often. I connect with Eric often, and it's really great to be able to be with you this morning. Um, and so I hope my South African accent is okay for you to understand. Um, I will try not to speak too quickly, but really it's great to be with you this morning. As we continue to work through John's Gospel, um, why don't we do this? Why don't we pray together, ask God to speak to us, and then we will dive in. So why don't you join me in some prayer? Heavenly Father, great and glorious God, sovereign, majestic, Lord of all creation, the one who spoke the universe into being, we come before you this morning and we ask you, God, to come and speak to us. From this passage, your word, God, I pray that you will encourage us and edify us lord you know where each one of us are at this morning some of us are feel on top of the world some of us are excited and uh, feeling wonderful some of us are discouraged and weary and anxious god won't you come and minister to us this morning and most importantly won't you come and draw us to yourself i pray god that you will fill us with your holy spirit that you will remind us of the good news of jesus and that we will trust you and come and put our hope in you freshly today for this week. God, we pray these things in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, preachers can sometimes like to overstate things. Sometimes we exaggerate to make our point. I do confess that. But I think uh, I would be safe within the bounds of rationality and uh, truthfulness if I said that we live in worrying times, in uncertain times. Obviously, those of us that are in Hong Kong, there is so much uncertainty going on in our own city. Uh, thankfully, this fifth wave has really come down a lot, which is wonderful. But still, there's uncertainty about the future, about what the regulations are going to be, what the government's decisions are going to be. Maybe for some of you, you have young children 
and you have read the news reports of if children get infected, that they might be separated from parents and the anxiety in your heart, what happens if my child is sick and has to get taken away from me? Maybe some of us have got parents that are elderly and you're worried about their health. Or maybe your parents are abroad, overseas somewhere, and you can't travel to be with them and you worry about their health. For some of us, maybe it's the anxiety of what's happening in Europe with the war in Ukraine and Russia and all the uncertainty there. We live in uncertain times. And part of what makes this all so troubling is the uncertainty of it. Everything is up in the air. Nothing is certain. In fact, some people said the only thing that is certain in this world is that nothing is certain. Today, we are looking at Jesus' words to us in John chapter 14. And Jesus begins with these words in verse 1. It's up on the screen there. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. And Jesus says the same thing actually at the end of the chapter, verse 27. He says, so let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. But at the end of this section, Jesus, remember, this is the night before he is, um, goes to the cross. He's having his final words with his disciples. At the end of his kind of words to his disciples in chapter 16, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. And, and it's interesting because Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Things will go wrong, but let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus is not saying that come to Jesus and you won't have any trouble. He'll take all your troubles away. Jesus wants to give us something, wants us help us to not be troubled by our troubles. In this world, you will have trouble, but let not your hearts be troubled by your troubles. Why is Jesus saying this? Well, because the disciples, like many of us today, were deeply troubled as they faced an uncertain future. If we look at just the chapter just before the passage that was read to us this morning in, in chapter 13 at the end, in verse 30, Judas Iscariot gets up from the meal to leave the disciples in order to go and arrange Jesus' arrest and betrayal. Judas, one of the disciples, is going to arrest, betray Jesus for 30 silver coins. In verse 38, Jesus tells Simon Peter, in many ways one of the leaders of the disciples, before this night is over, you are going to have a moment of weakness and you're going to even deny that you even know me. And of course, in verse 33 and 36, Jesus tells his disciples he's going to leave them and that they cannot come with him. He says twice, where I'm going, you cannot come with me. And so for those of us that are familiar with scripture, we know how the story ends. Jesus dies, he rises again, he ascends to glory. But for the disciples in that day, at that time, they didn't know how the story ends. These were deeply troubling words. Imagine being a disciple in Jesus' day. You're sitting around the meal, the table, and Jesus, Judas has just left. Jesus has told Peter he's going to deny him. And he said, I'm leaving, you cannot come with me. And these disciples are men that have given up everything to follow Jesus. They walked away from the family business. They left their families. They've left their homes to follow Jesus step by step. They've given up everything they have to be with him, one of his disciples. And here Jesus says, I'm leaving. I'm going. And you cannot follow me. Remember, to be a disciple in the first century meant you went wherever your leader went. You, the dust of his feet was meant to cover you. You, you followed him so closely. And now these guys have given up everything to be one of those disciples. And Jesus says, I'm leaving and you can't be with me. And, I, and, and you don't know where I'm going. 
And these disciples have just been plunged into a sea, an ocean of uncertainty and doubts and confusion. Their hearts were troubled. They banked their lives, their hope, their future on Jesus. And now all of that is cast into doubt and uncertainty. Friends, I wonder how many of us feel similarly today. Maybe you put your faith in Jesus. You came to trust him, believe in him. You thought my world is going to be safe and secure, and yet you too have been plunged into a world of uncertainty. There's all that's going on in our world. And Jesus doesn't want his disciples or us to be overwhelmed or to be governed by our fears and uncertainty. Jesus wants to lift us out of the sea of uncertainty and place us on a rock of confidence. And so Jesus says here in verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And what Jesus is saying here is that the antidote to uncertainty, the antidote to a troubling time is not a change of circumstances, but a deeper confidence in who he is. You see that? Jesus doesn't say, just pray for different circumstances. Pray pray that, that God will change the circumstances. He says, in the midst of these uncertainties, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus calls his disciples to trust him. And in this passage, Jesus wants to give the disciples and us some things to anchor our hearts onto. Jesus, in fact, wants to give us four promises to hold onto when the storms of life blow us hard Thing when everything you thought was safe and predictable seems uncertain, Jesus wants to ho- us to hold on to four promises. He's going to tell us about the hope of eternity, the treasure of eternity, the preparation of eternity, and finally the invitation of eternity, or what we could say is the invitation of grace. So let's dive in and look at these things. Firstly, the hope of eternity. Look at verse 2 with me if you've got your Bible open. Jesus says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Now, Jesus is not giving an architectural, technical description of what heaven and glory is going to be like. He's using picture language. He's using imagery to describe something. And the point that Jesus is making here is that heaven or glory or our the life to come is going to be like coming home coming home our city uh, hong kong is home to many refugees and i use the term home very loosely because the truth is as a city we are not very welcoming to those that are refugees and seeking asylum status we don't treat the refugees that live in hong kong particularly well being a refugee means the city even if you've lived here many years, is never truly your home. You're never welcomed here. You never feel safe or secure. There's always an uncertainty about the future. You never feel settled. You're never able to put your roots down and make the city home. Maybe for some of us, you have been uh, brought to Hong Kong for work and it hasn't felt like home. Maybe back in another country feels like home. And you've struggled to settle down here. For those of us that are Christians, Jesus says one of the really important things for those of us that are Christians to understand is that this world was never meant to be your home. 
never meant to be your final home. As Christians, we are sojourners, we are pilgrims with our true and lasting home still to come. One of the things that Jesus wants to see is that we'll, this world will never be a sufficient home for you. Never be a place that gives you complete security, complete certainty, complete rest. C.S. Lewis uh, writes about this in his book, Mere Christianity. He wrote this in the 1940s, and he, uh, it's quite a long quote, but I want to read this to us. He says, most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that the, the cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. Earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy us, only to arouse it to suggest the real thing. He says, I must take care then that on the one hand, not to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for the something else of which they're only a copy, an echo, a mirage. I must keep alive within myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to that other country, that other home, and to help others do the same. You see what C.S. Lewis is saying? He's saying in this world, there are all sorts of wonderful things, but there are even the very best things in this world are an echo, a copy, a mirage, a hint that there's a true and better world that is awaiting those of us that are in Christ. The author of the book of Hebrews writes to a bunch of Christians who are quite discouraged. They had started following Jesus. They had put their hope in Jesus. But then the difficulty of life governed them, came around them. They felt overwhelmed by the troubles of life. And they started to wonder, is Jesus really all that he made himself out to be? Maybe it's just, maybe it's all a fake. Maybe we should go back to Judaism. And they're starting to wonder and doubt. And the author of the book of Hebrews writes them and says, for here in this world we have no lasting city no lasting home but we seek the home that is to come and this is one of the secrets of the christian life one of the keys to the life of faith is to know that this world as we know it is not our final home we are sojourners here we are pilgrims on our way to our lasting home the city that is to come and so look what jesus says i go to prepare a home for you and in this home, there are many rooms. And his point here is that the world to come will not be cramped. It won't just, it won't be um, just a place where we flee from the difficulties of this world. It'll be a lavish and extravagant world. It'll be a, a glorious home. I'm sure many of us have been following the situation of the war in Ukraine with Russia. And many people have fled their homes in Ukraine. And as they leave the war, they now are refugees in Poland or other countries. But, but as they find themselves as refugees there, they, they, their living conditions are cramped. Maybe a sports hall has been con, um, converted into a temporary accommodation. There's many beds that are lined up. And yes, that's better than living under the war-torn circumstances of, of their old city. But it's not lavish. It's not gracious. It's not generous. It's a temporary accommodation. It's better than what they had. But you couldn't call it luxurious. Jesus says that in my father's house are many rooms for anyone who will come to him. Not just a certain number, 
not just those that are well behaved or, or, or do all the right things. This house is extravagantly welcome to anyone who will simply come to him. Jesus says that when we get to glory, it's going to be like coming home. I'm not sure if some of you, maybe you caught COVID uh, early on in the fifth wave and you got moved to an isolation facility or maybe even Penny Bay for a few days. And while you're there, maybe five days, 10 days, two weeks, you come eventually, you leave Penny Bay and you get to come home. Jesus says that when we get to glory, he says he's, he's preparing a home for us. It's going to be like that. That even the very best things of this world, when we leave them behind and get to glory, out of the home that he's prepared for us, it will be like coming home. In the fourth century, many hundreds of years ago, there was a Roman empress by the name of Empress Eudoxia. And she was threatening a Christian preacher by the name of John Chrysostom. And um, she, she didn't like his preaching. And so she threatened him with banishment. And he said, I will banish you. I will drive you away from your homeland and you will be in exile in, in, the, in the empire. And John Chrysostom said, you cannot banish me. This world, I belong in my father's home and you can never drive me from my father's home. She says to him, but, but I will kill you. He says, no, you cannot kill me. My life is hidden with Christ. You can't touch my life. She says, well, then I will take away all your treasures and all your wealth. I, I will take everything you have away from you. John Chrysostom said, I have a treasure in heaven that you cannot touch and my heart belongs there too. Then she says, well, I'll turn all your friends away from you. You'll be lonely and you'll die without any friends. John Christensen said, no, you cannot. I have a friend in heaven who is closer than a brother and you can never separate me from, me from him. I defy you. There is nothing you can do to take away from me or harm me in this life. Friends, that's what Jesus is saying. That we have a home that is not, does not consist of the things of this world. And Jesus, for his disciples, they invested everything they had in him. They'd given up everything to follow him. What could possibly go wrong? And now the Messiah says, I'm leaving you. But Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Believe in me. I am preparing a home for you. My father's house has many rooms. Jesus prepares the hope of glory, his father's house. But secondly, the treasure of eternity. What's so special about this father's house, the, the, this, this glory that awaits us? What's so special about it? Well, look at verse 3 with me. Jesus says, if I go, I will prepare a place for you. And I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. When we think of glory or eternity or heaven, we can sometimes think of the glory of heaven is going to be reconciliation with loved ones that have passed away. And that is true. That is one of the great privileges. Soon, very soon, we will see those that have passed away and are in Christ have come to him in faith and repentance. We'll be reconciled. That is true. But that's not really the main motivation of heaven. That's not the thing to look forward to. The glory of heaven is that we will be reconciled, united in deep intimacy with Christ himself, with God himself. Heaven will be infinitely glorious because we will finally get to taste and experience the closeness of Christ's presence 
intimately close to us. The glory of the Garden of Eden wasn't just the beauty and the abundance of Eden. It was that God and man dwelt together. That's what our eternal home is going to consist of. Revelation talks about the fact that heaven is a place where man and God dwell together, where heaven and earth are are united in marriage and intimacy. The glory of heaven is not just the streets of gold or the unceasing joy or the fact that every tear is going to be wiped away. It's going to be that we are with Jesus. Look at what Jesus says here. I will come again. I will bring you to myself that where I am, you may be also. John Piper very famously asks this challenging question. He says, if you could have heaven with no sickness, with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, all the natural beauties you ever saw, and no human conflict or natural disasters, could you be satisfied in heaven if Christ were not there? If you could be happy in heaven without Christ, then you won't be there. You see, friends, the glory of heaven is that we will be with Christ, the one we were made for. Jesus says, I will come and bring you back to myself, that where I am, you may be with me. Jesus says, I will take you there. And it's actually the word that the Bible often uses to describe the intimacy of marriage, of husband and wife coming together. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 1, Mary is uh, engaged to Joseph. And Joseph is worried because Mary is pregnant and he thinks that she's been unfaithful to him. And an angel comes to Joseph one night and says, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, to take her into yourself. It's the same word Jesus uses here. I will take you. I will bring you into my home. I will, like a husband, I will bring you into myself that you may know me deeply and intimately. Friends, what makes heaven so glorious is the place where we will be with Christ again. Our eternal home, our hearts will be satisfied. We will be fully known, fully loved, fully secure, fully satisfied in the love of the one who's able to cover a multitude of scars. The treasure of heaven is Christ himself. But notice in this passage what Jesus says here, apart from the fact that Eternity is going to be our glorious homecoming. Look at what else Jesus says here. Verse 2 and 3 says, In my Father's house there are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. The preparation of glory. Now, imagine with me you are a Ukrainian family. Uh, your city has been bombed and uh, you need to flee away. And so you walking with your family 12, 15 hours through the night uh, to get to the border so that you can leave Ukraine and find safety. And you've been trudging through the night. It's winter. It's cold. And as you get to the border, you realize that there's some preparation that needs to place, take place. You can't just, the nations aren't just swinging open their borders and saying, anybody come in. Your documents need to be in order. Your passport needs to be in order. Somebody needs to go and prepare the way for you. Jesus says to his disciples, I'm leaving in order that I may prepare a place for you. Now, the question is, what does Jesus mean when he says he needs to go and prepare our eternal home for us? I mean, is heaven in disarray? Is heaven a big mess that Jesus needs to sweep up and clean up things before his guests arrive? Is that what Jesus means when he says, I need to go and prepare the way for you. 
no friends. What Jesus means is that the way, the entrance, the pathway to glory has not yet been opened up yet, has not yet been cleared. There is something that Jesus needs to do to go before his people to open up the way for sojourners and pilgrims like us to arrive home eventually. And what does Jesus need to do? He needs to go to the cross. The way that Jesus will bring his people into glory is not by suddenly whisking us out in the middle of the night up to heaven. The way that Jesus will prepare the way to glory is by going to the cross, by paying our ransom price with his blood. Friends, you see what Jesus is saying here? One preacher put it like this, the way to heaven passes through hell, but not for you and I. We don't go to purgatory to cleanse us of our sins for Jesus. The way to glory passes, is going to f- first pass through hell for Jesus, not for those who trust in him. You see, a little while earlier, Jesus, he's sitting around the Passover meal with his disciples and, they, and Jesus is breaking bread with them. But at that moment, sin has not yet been atoned for. The curtain has not been torn. The judgment of God has not been assurged or poured out. The curse of God has not been satisfied. In that moment, death has not been defeated by the empty tomb. And over the next three days, every obstacle, every barrier between um, his people and glory is going to be systematically removed. As Jesus gets nailed to the cross, as the wrath of God is poured out on him, as God the Father turns his face away from Christ and Christ dies and rises again and defeats death, Jesus is going to pave the way for his followers to make it home. And do you know what this means? It means Jesus went to the cross to open up the way for glory for you and I so that we can be with him. But it also means that you and I can come to him in our weakness because Jesus has gone to the cross for us. Look at what Jesus says here. He says, in my father's room, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you I go to prepare a place for you? You see that? Remember, who is Jesus talking to here? He's talking to the disciples. And who is sitting in their midst? Well, Peter's sitting in their midst. In fact, look at how it's written in verse 38 of the previous chapter, the last verse of the previous chapter. Jesus says, truly, truly, Peter, I say to you, the rooster will not crow tonight until you have denied me three times. And then the next verse, let not your hearts be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. Friends, Jesus saying, even you, Peter, even you who are about to deny me, even you, Peter, who's going to be weak in faith, Even you, Peter, who in a moment of weakness is going to try and defend yourself and save yourself. Even you, Peter, I go and prepare a place for you. I'm going to go to the cross for you. You who are struggling, you who are weak in faith, you who feel like you've messed up and like a failure. I go to the cross to prepare a place for you. Friends, Do you feel a bit like Peter this week? Do you feel weak in faith? Do you feel like a failure? Do you feel like you've messed up, you've let Jesus down? Jesus goes to prepare a place for you. Heaven is not just for the strong, those who have got it together, 
the swift. Heaven is for those who, like Peter, like you, like me, who make mistakes, who mess up, who need a savior. Friends, you see what Jesus is saying? He's saying, in this world is not your home. It's not the final story in your chapter. If you are in Christ, you're a sojourner, a pilgrim in this world. And that is both encouraging because it means, of course, the things of this world are going to go wrong. Of course, this world is going to let you down, but this world is not your home. But it's also challenging because it means don't make this world your home. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put all your hope and confidence in this world. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. But look, finally, fourthly, the invitation of eternity, or a better way of saying that is the invitation of grace. For the disciples, Jesus' words still seem a little bit philosophical. He's there with them. He's going somewhere. They can't go with him. He's going to prepare the place. They're not too sure what he means. And so verse 4, Jesus says, you know the place where I'm going. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way there? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is not promising a comfortable or an easy life. Jesus doesn't say that as you come to him, everything will just be easy, a bed of roses. No, friends, Jesus says that sometimes life will get hard. Some of us will get cancer and die young. Some of us will bury our children. Some of us will be wrecked with difficulty, medical reports. Some of us will lose our jobs. Money will be tight. In this world, you will have trouble, said Jesus. But what Jesus does promise is that if you hold on to him, he will take you home. But notice, notice that Jesus doesn't come as a strong savior to save strong people. Tim Keller says, Jesus doesn't come and say, everyone who wants to be saved, you just need to be like me. Fulfill the Ten Commandments, be a good person, follow the rules, jump through these hoops, uh, be religious, and then you can be saved. Be good like me, be strong like me. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus instead comes in weakness, and he goes to the cross. He goes to the cross to open the way for people that are fallen and weak, people that have made mistakes. People that are strugglers, people like you and I. Jesus goes to the cross, but after the cross comes resurrection so that salvation would not be by strength, wouldn't be by obedience alone, wouldn't be by religious duty alone. It'll be by grace alone. Jesus doesn't come and say, if you've got the goods, if you're righteous enough, if you're holy enough, you've obeyed the Ten Commandments, if you can be like me, you can be saved. I'll take you home. Jesus says, come as you are. If you're willing to admit your need, if you're willing to repent and turn to me in faith, if you're willing to acknowledge that you need my grace, I'll take you home. And contrary to almost every other world religion, every other spiritual guru, Jesus doesn't give you guidance. He's not directing you to find the way home. Jesus doesn't give you um, 10 steps to take to make it home. Jesus says that there's a way to find hope and confidence in the storms of this life. To not be troubled by your troubles. And that is to come to him. He says, does, Jesus doesn't say, let me show you the way home. He says, I am the way home. Jesus doesn't say, I will describe the way home. I will point you the way home. He says, I am the way. Come 
to me. Jesus says, I'm the only way because he alone went to the cross to open the way for us. Friends, maybe you're new to Christianity. Maybe you've become a follower of Jesus in the last few weeks or the last few months. Maybe a lot of what we've spoken about this head is, this morning has gone over your head. It doesn't make sense. You read the Bible and you're still trying to understand it. It's all very new to you. But you do know that Jesus went to the cross for you. You do know that he's the Savior. You do know that he's beautiful and wonderful, that he's the Son of God. Friends, you know enough. R.C. Um, J.C. Ryle says that on the one hand, the disciples' ignorance was very great. I mean, look at them throughout John's gospel. There's so much that they don't understand. They don't understand about Jesus coming. They don't understand about his death. They don't understand why he's leaving. There's so much that they don't understand. Their ignorance was great. But on the other hand, their understanding was great. Because though they were uneducated and unlearned, though they didn't have all the background that the Pharisees and the leaders had, what they did know is that Jesus was the Son of God. And that knowing him, that he was the Messiah, they were taking the first steps to glory. The disciples say, Jesus, we don't know all that you're talking about. It doesn't make sense to us. But Jesus says, you know me. You know enough. You know that I am the way. In the midst of all the various parts of this world, there is one way to heaven. I am the way. You know enough. Jesus is in a world of competing versions of truth where everyone seems to have their own version of what's true or not. You know that I am the truth. You know enough. I will take you home. Jesus is in a world that is marked by death and destruction and decay, death of relationships, death of hope, death of uh, relationship with ourselves, in a world of brokenness. You know that I am the one who brings life. You know enough. I will take you home. Friends, do you remember the words of that song, Amazing Grace? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. Do you know why? Because grace is not a concept. Grace is a person. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and life. I am the one who will take you home. You know me. You know enough. You come to me. I will take you home. You trust in me. I will produce a newness of life that you will experience in the brokenness of this world and for all eternity. You come to me, I will bring truth in the midst of confusion in this life and for all of glory. You come to me and I will lead you home. Since grace has brought me safe thus far, your grace will lead me home. Because you, Jesus, will lead me home. Friends, Jesus says that if we will simply come to him in weakness, admitting our need for him, admitting our hope is only in him. If we will cling to him, if we will bank our lives on him, if we will believe on him, Jesus says he will take us home. Friends, it turns out that uncertainty is not the only certain thing in this world. There is the certainty of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he promises. The promise of eternity, the promise of the treasure of heaven, and that you can and will be safe with him in this life and for all eternity to come if you will trust in him and believe in him and bank your life on him. Friends, do you find your heart troubled this morning? Do you find yourself anxious and worried about many things? Come to Jesus. You're in good company. The disciples in the first century felt the same. But come to Jesus and let him lead you home. Jesus reminds us that in this world, you'll certainly have troubles. 
But as you believe on him, as you fix your eyes on him, as you live with the hope of glory to come, Jesus will carry us through this life. Jesus gives us a hope to hold on to that will never perish or spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you that we get to taste of in this life. And so this week, as you navigate the challenges of this week, as you navigate COVID, as you navigate work challenges, as you navigate health challenges, as you navigate family and relational challenges, as you face the prospect of maybe not having work this week, this week as you read the news headlines and the difficulties in this world, this week as you find yourself troubled and dissatisfied by, with life as you know it, as you long for the world to come, friends, this week remember you are a pilgrim. If you are in Christ, you are a sojourner. And that Jesus promises to take you home. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. That in him, we get to experience the hope and the comfort of all eternity. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the promise of glory. God, I pray for my friends on this call, those of us that are anxious and worried, those of us that are troubled by many things. God, I pray that the hope of glory, the hope of the home to come, will fill and flood our hearts. That God, you will give us hope this very week, knowing that in this trouble, in this world, we will have troubles. But knowing, God, that we are pilgrims and sojourners here, that nothing and no one can take the hope of glory from us. God, I pray, give us fresh confidence. Give us fresh encouragement. God, give us fresh certainty in this world, knowing that our life is kept in you. We are hidden in Christ and that nothing and no one can take that from us. Lord Jesus, I pray, won't you come and do that now by the power of your spirit. Come and fill us in your wonderful name, I pray. Amen. I wonder, Les, if we can do this. I wanted to put just a, a slide up. There's three questions just for reflection. Are we okay just to take two minutes just to reflect on that? Sure. So let's just go to the very last slide. And uh, I want you just to think about these questions and just reflect on this person yourself. We don't need to get into breakout rooms. Just take three minutes to reflect on this. What coping mechanisms do you turn to when you're troubled and anxious? If you're a Christian, to what extent do you think of yourself as a sojourner with heaven as your true home? And what does it look like for you to trust and treasure Jesus this week? Maybe pick one of those and reflect on that, and then we'll gather together.